and welcome to the Doctor Who Show's hot take review of the Flux finale, Flux Chapter 6, The Vanquishers. I'm Dave. And I'm Rob. And we have not been vanquished. We are still here at the end of Flux. Yippee! And uh, we're going to dive into it in a moment. Quick bit of housekeeping, just to say, even though this is the finale, and look, we will talk a bit about it, this is a hot take about the episode for our December monthly episode we will be doing a considered take on the whole thing and looking at flux as a whole and looking back so uh, we, we will do not so much that this time this is all about just a hot take of the vanquishers and also just to let you know we are swapping around our uh, running order for December so you'll get our December considered take before Christmas rather than the last Sunday. Absolutely, and you'll hear me talking to Dylan Reese on December 26 instead on a primary sources. Fantastic. Rob, what is your word of the week, our sixth word of the week for Flux? Here it is, Dave. My word of the week is menu. Menu, okay. My word of the week is oxygen. Okay. Uh, Rob, look, we'll ask some bigger questions in a moment, but straightforward question. Did you enjoy this episode? I'm in between on this one. I I certainly didn't enjoy it like I've seen a few people enjoy it, and I certainly didn't hate it like I've seen a lot of people hate it. I'm somewhere in between. I think I'm very similar to you. There were a couple of things in this that really annoyed me, a couple of things in this that I quite liked, but overall I just thought it was a lot of episode. Mm. I genuinely don't know this time whether this is something that I'm going to come back and watch a second time and a third time and start to see all the pieces and go, okay, this this, this kind of all makes sense, or whether it just is a mess. I, I'm, I'm really not sure it could go either way. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to dig through here, and we will. But I'll say up front, it didn't poop the bed like I thought it might, like I feared it might. But at the same time, it was pretty unsatisfying from a, a series that loves explaining things that left so much hanging. And we, we haven't often done this, but I've taken someone on Twitter. Uh, they weren't saying this to us. They were just throwing it out into the ether. They're called At Timeless Doctors. And their response was, So is 99% of the universe now gone and destroyed by the flux? Are there no Sontarans, Cybermen or Daleks left in the Hooniverse? Why did the TARDIS keep losing and moving its doorways? Why was Swarm killed? Why did the Great Serpent create Unit? What was the use in the TARDIS? And, you know, I'm confident we could have a crack at answering some of those, but on some other aspects, I'm like, yeah, man, you know, preach. But you know what the weird thing is, Dave? I think some of these questions, which weren't really answered are just going to be chucked, because we've already been shown there's a Dalek in the New Year's story. So assuming we're still in the same universe moving forward, there are still Daleks, apparently. So the whole blowing up the Dalek fleet, that was just spectacle without meaning, basically. It's a very Marvel comic book movie thing to do. And in a lot of ways, that could be my summary for the whole series. It was just, you know, spectacle without meaning. Wow, okay. Um, Thank you. I'll take a breath now. <laughs> please, please do. Glass of water for Rob. <laughs> I did not dislike this episode as much as I did last week, so I'll come out and say that. Mm -hmm. I did not nearly like it as much as I have the other episodes. It is it, it is sitting number five in the rankings for me. I'll, I'll be upfront with that at the start. A point that I want to make here, and it's not a profound point, but I think it is worth saying. I think that last week particularly, and to some extent this week, we are seeing the effect of the cut-down season due to COVID. I think I have a pretty good idea of what an eight-part flux would have looked like. Mm -hmm. I think that last week was very clearly two stories 
mashed into one. There was the Doctor and Division story, which probably would have been the bulk of an episode, and then the the gang wandering Carmen San Diego around the world style. <laughs> that was another episode. And, and I think in this one as well, you can kind of see bits that were pushed into it. A bit like season four of Babylon 5. You can kind of see where yeah. stuff that was meant to be held over just got smashed in there. So is that an excuse? No. Is it mitigation? Maybe. You mentioned Marvel, Rob. Yes. I saw Dune on the weekend. Okay. And that, to me, was an unfortunate juxtaposition for Flux because the Dune movie, which is the first half of the book, is a exceptionally good example of how to do a very complicated story set on multiple planets with multiple different families, races, tribes, mm -hmm. characters, environments, and all the rest of that in a relatively easy manner to follow. And I think that what Flux did was made a complicated story more complicated than it needed to be by way of its format and direction. Oh, indeed. And and even just some of the characters in there. I mean, to talk of the Grand Serpent, although he was a good character in and of himself, what was the point of him in the end? Like, he was used to introduce Vinda, like, oh, Vinda worked for him and made a mistake. He loses his empire, he gets inserted into Unit and gets tied into why they closed in 2017. I can think of a lot simpler ways both of those situations could have been inserted into the story, though. Vinda could have just said in 10 seconds, you know, just some, some nonsense, you know, some big crime that saw him banished to the space station. And we wouldn't have had to have had all that scene with the Grand Serpent. You know, un unless the point of him was to make people think he was the master or he was another version of Swarm. And in a sense, as a red herring, I guess it succeeded. But really, in a densely packed story, he's an element you could drop, interesting as he is in and of himself, like I say. And I think it actually would have improved the story if you just cut his bit out of it completely. Yeah, I had a very similar thought, but related to a different character. Now, this will be heresy for some people, I know, but I would cut Kate Stewart out of this. Right. Well, she's tied into the Grand Serpent. Yeah, but but again, what did she actually do? As, as you highlighted yesterday, and I don't know a lot of our listeners agreed with you and applauded you for this, her confrontation with the Grand Serpent didn't actually go anywhere and achieve anything. And on this occasion... She has a confrontation with the Grand Serpent and then Vinda comes in to save the day. Mm. So I actually don't think we lose anything by losing Kate. Um, were she and he meant to be bigger parts of the eight-part flux? Maybe, don't know, but I think you could pare it down. Rob, yes. I've, got a big, I've got a big positive and a big negative. So okay. I'll, I'll, I might do those if I may yes. and then see if you agree. Big positive, I thought that the cast did a lot of justice to this material. I think Jodie had a really good episode with some really nice moments. Not perfect, but really good. I thought the guest cast was really good. Uh, you highlighted the Grand Serpent. I think that was a great character, performed really well. I thought that Vinda gave a really good performance and did his bits, although perhaps smaller than I expected, and we'll talk about that. I thought he did those bits really well. Kevin McNally was excellent. You know, just a really strong cast. John Bishop, I thought, gave his best performance of the six episodes. There were moments there where I thought... Wow, I, I'm now seeing what others were seeing. John's a really good actor. That was really nice. So big credit to the cast. And I think had the cast not been so good and so um, effective in this, Yaz, again, Yaz, really, really good performance with the little she had to do. Mm. Had the cast not been this good, this could have been a real stinker. And they saved a lot of this episode for me. All fair comment. What's your negative? My big negative is the Doctor committing genocide multiple times. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't think we can go too deep without talking about that. Now, Now, first of all, I had the moment where 7 billion 
Lupari minus one <laughs> are massacred off screen with a line without yeah. consequence. Yeah. Seven billion, a whole species, and it's like, oh, he's having a bad day. Feel sorry for him. Like, that's it? <laughs> and you do it off screen? Like, that's it? Like, oh, I, I, I. So at that point, I'm like, this is, this is, you know, big, big talking up peril without actually delivering. And then you have the doctor whose plan, if I understand it, is to commit genocide against not one, not two, but three whole species. Yes. The Doctor. Yes. <laughs> Mass genocide three times over. And yes. indifferent to the little part. That, to me, is a huge earth-shattering problem with this episode that I think is, frankly, a huge weight around it, whatever else happened. Well, park that for a sec and, and think of how trillions have died across the universe, regardless of those three races. Trillions have died. Mm. And... At the end of the episode, Dan's like, oh, what do we do next? And Yaz is like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Off we go. Fun times. And it's like, is, is anyone going to mourn for trillions of, of deaths? What about uncompressing all that has been compressed? You know, we had that line last week. I thought that's what was coming this week. Oh, they just push a button and things miraculously uncompressed. Well, it didn't happen. But no one mourned for trillions of people. <laughs> yeah, so I half agree with you on that one. Okay. Um, you're absolutely right that for the characters who don't know any better, that they should react to that. I, I totally agree. As a viewer who knows this is television, I'm still holding off on that because I'm not convinced that we have heard the end of that story. And I think that, well, put it this way, I hope that given where this episode was left at the end, I hope we're going to get a resolution to the unfluxing of the universe or is the universe, as you say, just three quarters wiped out yeah well look knowing bits and pieces of these upcoming episodes i'm just not even sure how the flux would even play into some of the topics i won't talk about them in case it's spoilerific for people but i mean even people can look at the trailer for next time i don't think the flux is really playing into new year's day do you uh, look i don't based on that trailer but again knowing the last few years i have it within the realms of possibility some might say probability that we will have a good fun jolly redo of the redo of resolution and uh we'll do that over the christmas new year week and then we'll come back for the specials which will go back to the darker material just like frankly we've twice had the doctor leave on massive cliffhangers and massive down moments and then we're all going to have a jolly jape for the the new year special and then and then we come back for the big serious stuff so that that to me is within the realms of possibility while we're on the topic of mass deaths those passenger vehicles, I was under the impression they have a quarter of a million or a quarter of a billion people inside each one. Yeah, yeah, big number. And we just emptied the whole flux into one of them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> um, I, I don't know what happened to those people in there. Um, if there were people in there, that was another moment. I just thought, is this just like crazy mass death on a grand scale? And look, I get what Chibnall's trying to do, you know, add a couple of zeros to the death count, make it bigger than life. And um, it seems impressive. And, and look, for some, that will be a big deal. I just think that you look at the Doctor, you know, this is the uh, do I have the right character? This is the everybody lives character. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm not going to sacrifice the Earth to wipe out the Daleks, Ninth Doctor character. And to be like, 
So the Sontarans have a wicked plan, which is to wipe out two races. My plan is to wipe out three. <laughs> and and you're the good guy. Um, look, I've made my point there. I don't know if you have anything to add, but I think I've made that point. Yeah, no, look, I, I think it's a good point. It's solid. I really don't have anything to add to it, to be honest. I will say, though, with regard to Passenger, uh, people were disappearing from inside Passenger anyway because Diane sort of indicates to Vinda that people have all the people have disappeared but she has and that was that was kind of this unearned moment where she's like you know to them I'm insignificant but I'm but I'm not insignificant and all of this stuff and she knows how passenger works she's figured all that out it's very, some very strange scenes there I don't know whether people who were in passenger went when Diane was left on her own or why she was left on her own this this insignificant line doesn't you know really cover it off for me actually yeah, I, I'm not quite sure what was going on. I I do, or put it this way, my headcanon slash take of what was going on is that Passenger was absorbing life forms so that whenever the Ravagers needed a feed, they could kill a few and absorb them. I thought that's what happening. I'm not sure. Mm. So maybe, maybe that's what was going on. Yeah, it's just one of these things that's not really explained in the show that loves to stop and exposit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. Uh, look, as we've mentioned the Ravagers, shall we talk about them? Yes. A lot of people, myself included, have said that they've been one of the highlights of Flux. What did you think about their story today, Rob? I, I think they went out in a strange way. You know, we finally get this time character and initially time looks like Swarm. I'm like, what's going on here? Is he one of them? And then I realised when the, the Doctor spoke to Time that the Time looked like the Doctor and it was just this, you know, sort of ego thing, as they were saying. Oh! Uh, okay, you answered that one for me. Thank you. Oh, okay. I didn't even know I was answering something. Good, good, good. Yeah, I mean, they, they threw out a lot of threats again in this episode, but never fully followed through. And then Time just zapped them time came for them as it comes to all of us dave yeah look i will say i enjoy their performances again i think they're great characters i quite enjoyed the fact that swarm was playing with the doctor and toying with the doctor and that that had you know it, it wasn't quite as good as sutek but it had sutek vibes that mm -hmm. sense of you know what i could wipe you out here and now but why should I, when I can have some fun i i, I like that i thought they did quite well i think that they are a good threat for the doctor like you, though, I thought that the end for them was a bit like, huh? Mm. Like, you, 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 one of the questions you raised at the start in that tweet was, um, what happened to Swarm or something? Yeah, why was Swarm killed? Why was Swarm killed? Yeah, and, and I, I'm not sure that Swarm was. I mean, they made a comment about their transcendence. I got the feeling that they had gone off somewhere else to be something else or to do something else or to become acolytes or something because the the dissolving effect to me didn't look like the killing effect that we've seen all through flux mm. well certainly it was, it was done to, it was... to jody during the episode uh like on her hands and at one stage her whole torso and i know i and, see i think that was a different effect and oh oh, oh okay <laughs> um, um because the 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 one that swarm and azure have had has been sort of big red snowflake sort of thing this mm -hmm. was purpley dust um, oh, okay. I saw it as the same thing. Now I'm confused. Yeah, and, and look, maybe I'm just um, maybe I'm seeing things, or maybe you've missed something. And this is this is why we're going to have a, a considered take in two weeks, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> let, let me get that out there. I saw them as being two different effects, and therefore two different things. Okay, fair. Um, and potentially coming back. Mm -hmm. I think that segues ni nicely into 
the Doctor's arc. Now, at this stage, Tektayun seems to be still dead. Uh, and possi- possibly is dead forever. I don't know. The watch has now been taken by the Doctor, and although it was opened, nothing happened, I don't think. Well, she saw the house, and the house represented everything that she could know, but she didn't take the step of going into the house. Now, that's not how those sort of devices have worked in past Doctor Who stories, so we've sort of rewritten how they work. Previously, you would open it and zap, everything zaps into your head. Instead, she was shown the house, and then shown Swarm pulling the house down. Look what I can do to your memories, haha. But I don't think she ever got the memories. Yeah, so that that, that was... um. I don't think that's what any of us expected. I think we sort of thought there was either going to be... Um, either she was going to get her memories or it was going to be a big reveal. That didn't happen. Or the watch was going to be the the, the MacGuffin that allowed her to defeat Swarm or something. Mm. Um, and that didn't happen. So the watch is clearly carrying on. And, and, and this, I think, is probably what I did expect. I think that that resolution of the Timeless Child thing, I'm now much more confident than I was before, will be part of the big episode that leads to the regeneration of the 13th Doctor. Yeah. Well, look, I, I had predicted that somehow she wouldn't get all the memories or she'd reject them somehow, and that and that's actually what's happened. But we do have that get-out-of-jail-free card because she said to the TARDIS, hide this where I won't find it, you know, unless I really, really need it, you know, in the future. So, so there's sort of that hanging around. I was okay with the Doctor in all of this, Dave. I mean, she was given that triple role, being split into all those different places. And it was basically replicating the three doctors with two of her together in one place and one stuck somewhere else. It was very much like the three doctors in some ways. She got some good lines. Even exposition works better when she's talking literally to herself rather than just into midair. Uh, I, I kind of like Jodie in this. Yeah, I, I do too. I think the moment when she came to rescue herself was a really clever moment that I didn't see coming, and that was a, that was a nice moment. I, I agree. Um, something about Chris Chibnall writing The Doctor talking to The Doctor clearly inspired him because, yeah, there was some exposition in that scene, but but it was how you do exposition. It, it felt like a conversation between two interesting characters played by one really interesting actress, and, mm. and, and, and it worked, and that's... You know, when we say we're not anti-exposition, exposition has to exist. We yes. like it to be fun and to be natural, and and this this did work. So so points for that. Minor point I have to mention at this point, Rob. Mm-hmm. How is there light on the planet Earth if the Lupari have shielded the whole planet? <laughs> I was thinking that, Dave. In some scenes, it looked like there was there were gaps or transparent gaps between the ships, but in others, it seemed they were like a shield wall. Like, like an Anglo-Saxon shield wall, so I'm not too sure. Fair enough. Uh, the Sontarans, what did you make of them, Rob? Well, chocolate, Dave, chocolate. Um, <laughs> that's my big comment. You know, the, the chocolate thing was quite silly, but it, it kind of worked, and I swear one of them was posing with the Beatles statues in Liverpool when we did that sort of panning shot. So Absolutely. There was, quite, there was some quite bizarre stuff, but vitally they still had that edge. For example, we've talked about the entire Lupari fleet being killed off. That showed that they're still pretty ruthless, you know, even though it wasn't shown on screen and we still just have to make do with just seeing that single Lupari, the only one we've ever seen, actually, just having a bit of a howl. It wasn't quite the way to sell it, but it showed us that these guys, even if they're being silly in a corner shop and eating chocolate, they're still deadly. And that's fine with me because it's a bit of both. Yeah, look, I, I thought the chocolate scene was a bit silly, but I think a casual audience will lap that up and it's a good fun moment in a otherwise dense episode. So yeah, that, yeah that, that, was, that was fine. I must admit, 
when Kate Stewart said something along the lines of, we're able to fight back against the Sontarans because we've discovered a weakness, I thought, well, yes, we all know the weakness. They all go to sleep at the same time. Can't you exploit that? <laughs> oh, we, we're not having that weakness that week. Oh, how convenient. Mm. Uh, I did I did think that was, um, you know, to, to have something so stupid in uh, in episode two as every Sontaran goes to sleep at the same time, uh, to then just not even, just, just to forget about it when they're occupying Earth the second time, I thought, just highlighted how ridiculous it was. But look, overall, I think the Sontarans were good. Yes, I did spot the uh, the one posing with the Beatles. Um, <laughs> y- yes, I thought that they they were vicious, they were effective, they they conquered the world really well. And perhaps this is a nice little microcosm of the issues with this last third of Flux. Were the Sontarans great? Yes. Was their occupation of Earth impressive? Yes. Was their ruthlessness on display and they're an effective monster? Absolutely. All of that's undermined by the fact that we're not quite sure how they conquered Earth. We're not quite sure what the Grand Serpent's plan was and why he needed to infiltrate units to do it. And then there was like a whole lot of just techno babble, and suddenly we're all somewhere else doing something else with the Flux and some spaceships and Genocide and the Doctor. And, <laughs> you know, lots of really good stuff, but just undermined by a lot of, huh? Yeah. Well, to go back to Kate Stewart, I mean, you, you flagged what I was talking about last week, that frankly bizarre incident where she's like, hey, Grand Serpent, I'm on to you. Now I'm going home for tea. You know, I'm, I'm sure you won't try and get me now. Good day. You know, um, you know, now she's the leader of the Earth Resistance and we don't really see any resistance. We saw one bewildered teenager who knew where she was and the Grand Serpent sort of tortured him to, to get it out of him. But I guess this is a COVID thing again. We're just not shown a lot of resistance. And, and talking of having, you know, silly lines, she had a real clangor late in the episode when she says to the Grand Serpent, in your arrogance, you came alone. And yet that's precisely how she took him on in the previous episode. I'm not I'm not sure she's aware of that. <laughs> there, There is an irony there. Yeah, I, I think the point you made about that teenager's correct. If this was a longer episode or, or, or a longer season, we probably would have seen him interacting with Kate before, you know, as an example of how people are resisting, we would have seen more of it. Uh, I'll give benefit of the doubt that some of that was cut for, for the truncation of the series. But again, someone may well explain this to us, but I genuinely don't know how we went from the Grand Serpent being in charge of unit last time to Earth occupied sort of. I thought it was going to be that he was going to tap into, you know, Earth's nuclear weapons and attack the Lupari from underneath. But the Lupari were all intact or had they attacked them and made some holes in the sphere shield is that what we're talking about well he said to point all the missiles back towards earth yeah and yet that never became a thing <laughs> yeah so I'll, i i think that was just a bit of a mess i like the reference to warrior's gate i thought that was a nice little cool thing for long-term fans mm-hmm. yes rob they're the main points i have to comment the rest i'm going to save for the sports desk. Do you have any general comments before we don the wigs and the jacket one last time for Fox? <laughs> I've got a few, Dave. I want to talk about Williamson. I mean, what was going on with Williamson? For the past five episodes, this bloke has been absolutely crazy, quite manic even, to be honest. But when it come time for some exposition, he was absolutely calm and measured and delivered the exposition and then bid good day, madam, good day, madam, you know, and all this. It just didn't ring true to how he'd been set up to 
to date. It fulfilled what they needed to happen, but at the cost of almost totally reimagining the character. You know, if anyone wants to stop and think about how he's been presented in previous episodes, I found that so weird. Yeah, maybe a consequence of having the two different directors, maybe that a different take on the character. I, I will say, though, that the Williamson subplot, I thought, did at least all work. We understood why he'd been popping in and out. We sort of had a sci-fi explanation of why there was that rip in time there. So, uh, and, and it did sort of lead to a few solutions. So I'm, I'm okay with that subplot, but I, I do take your point about the character. Alrighty, uh, I, I want to comment on Yaz after I pulled out that scene last week with the hologram, you know, it's in there for the shippers. Uh, again, this week, big hug, Doctor looking longingly after her, Doctor crying. And I've, I've made a gag about this on Twitter because someone said, caption, caption this picture, and it was a picture of the Doctor and Yaz hugging, and I captioned it as Yaz saying, Doctor, why are we doing this? And the Doctor says, well, you know, it's, it's so we can have a relationship before I regenerate, so it can be all the more tragic when I do. And I think that's what we're being set up for here dave there was certainly a moment when i thought they might be about to kiss Mm. maybe that's what happens in the next special or the one after that i think it's being ratcheted up so that when she goes there is tragedy and it's like tenant leaving rose or you know something like that Mm. i'm not sure and i don't know whether we're all just expecting it so seeing it where it doesn't exist or if it's actually there i guess we'll find out Claire, I just want to ask, what's her story now? This is the first time she's been back to 2021. So is her destiny now to see the Doctor in the near future? And the Doctor doesn't know who she is. And then she gets zapped to 1967 and she just relives this all again in a loop? Is is that Claire's destiny now? No, I, I, think, I think Claire starts in 2021, gets zapped, goes back, and then is taken back to later in 2021 and continues her life as if she hadn't been zapped. Then how did she know the Doctor before she was zapped? Oh, good point. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. So I'm, I'm really not sure what, what the deal is with Claire. Oh, is it because she had those psychic projection abilities? She was a premonition person. Oh, maybe it could be that. Okay, well, that would save her then. Maybe she could just stay in 2021 there. Yeah, I, I think that explains that part. What isn't explained is why she's got those abilities, unless it's because she grew up near the Williamson time fisher. Well, does she still have the angel in her head, the rogue angel? Don't know. Don't know. Again, again, another I don't know, and it's 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 infuriating. Finally, before we go to the sports test, Jericho, I guess someone had to be a sacrificial lamb, Dave, and the easiest person to bump off is the old military guy who's already had his life, and then he's had some extra life on top of that. He's seen some wonderful things. And that final line, you know, what an awfully big adventure. You know, I know this made people sad, and it was probably nearly almost earned um it was not too bad yeah i I thought it was a nice moment um again it kind of got swamped by the billions and billions of other people dying around him um (laughs) but but I, i i guess it was an attempt to have a human face to the death that was going on as a moment i think it worked as a way to humanize genocide i don't think it did yeah yeah that is still not good Right, well, I think that's all of us covered, so off we go to the sports desk. Let's go. Right, Rob, one last time for this individual 
episode, and then we'll come back with our players of the series. Oh gosh! In a couple of weeks, but for the Vanquishers, who was your player of the week? My player of the week, Dave, is Jodie Whittaker. Her three-hander was fun, but it was her her face-off with the Grand Serpent it was probably the only time in the whole episode I felt I was watching something a bit elevated above the rest of the piece. And even in saying that, I know she was teetering on a bit of a tenant pastiche while she was doing parts of it, but I felt it fell, yeah, on the credible side of the ledger, just. Like I say, it was the part of the episode that stood out the most, so I'm, I'm delighted to give it to Jodie Whittaker again. I think that's the second time I've given it in these six episodes. Yeah, I think between us we've given it to Jodie three or four times now across the series, which is a really good thing. I agree with everything you said, but my player was Kevin McNally. Great. I think he gave a really strong performance this time. And and look, the, the, the pathos that he gave to his death scene was very effective in and of itself. Uh, the way that he just worked with all the characters and just showed his ability as an actor and a character, I just thought was really good. So I, I think he deserves a gong before we go out. Fabulous. Look, I will start off with my foul because it's something we've already discussed. It, it is the doctor committing mass genocide triple you know triple genocide um and 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 the fact that it's not even noted it's just not even a thing it sits really bad with me i'll be interested to see whether this is something that others start to note as well yeah i'm I'm not happy with that that's my fail of the week yours rob mine was the way that so much of flux was revealed to be not very important it's this rise of skywalker storytelling as i've called it in past episodes you know here's the thing here's the thing Here's a thing, and here's another thing. And here's a sort of a conclusion, but we haven't really touched on everything, you know. But hey, it's it's over now, you know. Bye. It's just a simple story that we we want it to make sense, you know. Uh, and so much of Flux was just sort of convoluted and pointless in the end when you sort of went back and said, well, what did this part mean? How was this resolved? What was this? What was that? So much of it still feels up in the air, or we can't sort of work it out, you know. It's weird. Yes, I think Rise of Skywalker is a really good call and good reference there, Rob, because I certainly remember walking out of the cinema at 2.30 in the morning, having watched it the first time and gone, well, that bit was cool, and that bit was cool, and that bit was cool, and I love that bit, and that bit was cool, and that bit was cool, and then sort of looking back the next day and going, I don't have a clue what happened in that story. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that Flux wasn't quite as cool all the way through, but there were lots of very cool parts of Flux. The, the Angels story, I think, was the coolest. The Santaran story was fun. There were some good ideas. The, the Ravages were great. There's lots of cool stuff going on. Yeah, I agree. At this stage, and look, caveat, we've got more JD to come. I think mm-hmm. we'll get some more answers. But at this stage, I don't think they quite pulled it together. It wasn't die, but they didn't quite pull it together. But look, I'll give you my play of the week first because it's a semi-snap. Okay. Uh, in that it doesn't... I assume, snap with your player of the week, but it does snap with the reason for you giving your player of the week. Oh. Because my player of the week was the torture scene between the Doctor and the Grand Serpent. Fabulous, yeah. I agree with what you said. I thought Jodie's performance there was not just really good as an actress generally, but a really good Doctor moment. And it was it was, it was was very Tom Baker on this occasion, I thought. That thing of, you can tell the Doctor's in pain, you can tell the Doctor's worried, and that the Doctor's flippancy and and uh, poking fun at the villain is their way of getting past that to try and outwit and get a, get one up on the villain. I thought she brought that together really well. The Grand Serpent was very well acted, a, a, a good dynamic between the two of them, and there was that scene that I thought did just pause and go, let's just do this properly amongst a whirly bird of other stuff. 
Yeah, no, good call, good call there. You see Tom Baker, I saw her heading in Tennant's sort of direction, but Tennant does the same sort of thing as well, so, you know, courses for courses. Absolutely, and your play of the week. My play of the week, Dave, was, (laughs) and this is interesting because it's funny, it sort of syncs with your MVP, what an awfully big adventure. I think Jericho's final line was just really good. And like I said earlier, you know, almost, almost earned. I think if we'd had him in all six episodes, I think we'd really, really, really care. Even as it stands with him in three episodes, I think it got us most of the way there. And for some people in the audience, I'm sure they're in tears. You know, uh, for me, it was it was almost earned. And I just think if we'd had a little bit more of him, oh God, that could have been really tragic. Interesting. We've been more in sync at the sports decks this episode than I think we have all season, <laughs> which is interesting. We'll find out if our scores are in sync as well. But first of all, Rob, your yes. word of the week was menu. <laughs> yes, it was. You know, Dave, when you're reading a menu in a really fancy restaurant or even just a pretentious restaurant that might not be fancy, but it's just a bit up itself. The Savoy Grill, perhaps. I, I like it a bit there. <laughs> and it has quite long, complex and, and maybe even wanky descriptions of things in a bid to impress. That's how I felt about Flux. It's trying so hard to layer in a ton of gobbledygook to impress people. Kind of like, look at all this stuff. I mean, it has to be good, right? Because of stuff. <laughs> You know, but the fact is, it could have left a lot of that stuff out and actually done a more meaningful job with less. And I think it could have been a more solid, even well, definitely a more understandable kind of adventure. So, menu. My word of the week is actually very in sync with yours, but coming at it a slightly different way. My mm. word was oxygen, and that's because I think this is a story that has a lot to commend it, but was let down by its lack of oxygen and not having the time and the space to breathe. And I think that there are a number of scenes, Kevin McNally's death scene, as we've both highlighted, the torture scene, as we've both highlighted, were two examples of where the story was allowed to breathe a little bit and was the better for it. I thought the Doctor in that vision with the Ravagers, again, was a moment that was allowed to breathe a bit better and will be, I think, another memorable moment that people will take out of this. And and I think we're the stronger parts of the episode for it. I think had this had either a longer running time or less happening, mm-hmm. uh, you know, take out the Grand Serpent as good as he was, take out Kate Stewart, um, yes. you know, take out Claire um, or, you know, whatever. I, I think that had this had more room to breathe, this would have been a much stronger episode. So the question is, did Chibnall do the landing did he did he land this story are we going to talk scores then let's talk scores okay i'm i'm throwing a six out of ten at it i think this came across better than last week so i i have to head for a six because i gave a five last week but it didn't really rock my world or make me think wow this is really good you know either on the flip side though as i said at the start this this didn't poop the bed you know i can say that quite confidently it just didn't do much either you know and a lot of the foundation as we've just been discussing 40 seconds ago was shown to be pointless and not needed we didn't really need the grand serpent we didn't really need kate stewart you cut all that stuff out you flesh out some other stuff this could have been a lot better than it was but it was not a disaster in the end yeah i'm oh look i'm, I'm with you we're, we're very interesting again i originally wrote down a six as well and I think that was driven by the fact I didn't dislike it as much as last week, but my, my gut reaction walking out of it was, what's all that about? 
and and that's yeah. a shame that you know that's a real shame as i've talked through it over the course of the last half hour or so I have been reminded about a lot of good performances. I have been reminded about a lot of good scenes. It did look great. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. But it wasn't as good as it could have been. So I'm upping it to a 6.5, which is still the second weakest score I've given this series. Mm-hmm. But it is a little bit higher than last week's. Yeah. You know, you know, we didn't really talk about one thing, Dave, which a lot of people will talk about. So let's just throw it in quickly. Belle and Vinda's baby. She said to Vinda, I'm pregnant. And that was the end of it. After all that, across all those episodes. Yeah, look, this is just another example of something that I think didn't have room to breathe. I think that we've spent five episodes now since we were first introduced to one of them, and I think four with the other, maybe, of waiting for them to, you know, come together. And and I kind of was expecting, you know, the theme to Romeo and Juliet, you know, Tchaikovsky strings playing as they ran towards each other in slow motion and soft focus and... Yeah. Uh, all the rest of it. Um, I suspect that's probably what they would have liked to do, but we're already at 59 minutes. Um, it didn't get room to breathe. Yeah. We've got the next time trailer. Um, as one of my friends on Twitter said, it looks like they're just doing a third version of Resolution again. We'll see if that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. But look, we will we will talk more about that soon. That's the end of our hot takes for Flux. But as we said, we'll be back in two weeks, less a day to give you a uh, a full, cold, considered, careful take of the whole season with our sports desk looking at the player of the season and the foul of the season and the player of the season. So all of that to look forward to in two weeks when we've actually slept and, and thought about this. Yeah, my head, my head is just not there yet, honestly. No, I think there's a lot of time we need to let sink in. I'm really looking forward to hearing what some other podcasts and people on Twitter are saying about this and whether they've seen things that we missed and whether that helps to make plots make sense there's definitely some stuff i'm going to go back to over the next two weeks and just re-watch and go oh you know did this this come together or did i miss a line so we will talk about flux as a whole very soon but until then i've been dave and i've been rob and we will speak again shortly bye now bye you've been listening to the doctor show with Rob and Dave. Find us online by searching for The Doctor Show. We also love it when you write in. Drop us a line anytime at hello at the dwshow.net. <laughs>